Welcome to the Chapel Hill Academy podcast, featuring messages from our weekly chapel service. Located in Chanhassen, Minnesota, Chapel Hill Academy offers biblically-based Christian education, junior kindergarten through eighth grade, and holds a passion for Christ and a commitment to provide an education for life. We invite you to learn more about us at chapel-hill.org. All right, boys and girls, we have a speaker this morning, and I know that you have seen him around. His name is Pastor Travis Armstrong. And when Pastor Armstrong started as the youth group leader at Grace Church, my kids, my own kids, were just starting that adventure with him. And they still remember you. I remember your first Sunday when you and your wife got up and they introduced you, and I don't think you had any kids at that time. Mm -mm. And now you have a bunch. Yes, we do. Okay. We have four of them. Four of them. <laughs> okay. Come on up, Pastor Tra uh, Travis. We are excited to have you. Let's give him a warm welcome. Thank you. Appreciate that. Yes, um, 13 years ago, moved to Minnesota, and um, I'm from Texas, so I'm used to not a lot of snow and not used to it getting real cold or lakes freezing over. But uh, it's great. Like, so my wife, Stephanie, and I, we moved here March 1st of 2006, before any of you were born. And um, except for you, obviously, parents and leaders. But um, we had no kids. And so now today, 13 years later, we have four. We have Ava, Carter Walker, and Weston. Weston is our newest addition to the fam. He is just going to turn five months old tomorrow. And uh, super cute. Like, totally adorable, as we say in modern vernacular, totes adorbs. And uh, he is. And he's now learning some tricks. Now, have you guys, any of you have like a, a, a younger brother or sister that's a baby? Okay. Yeah. And so like at five months old, he's, he's just now learning just recently as of this past week how to like roll over. And so like literally the other day we saw him like roll over and he was like, oh, you could almost see it on his face. Like, I just did a trick, you know, we're like, yeah. You know, it's like a, like a little puppy. Like, look what he just did. Give him a treat, you know. <laughs> it was awesome. And then the other day, you can tell, like, he's ready for food, right? And so I took a slice of an apple, and I, and I put it in his mouth. Of course, he doesn't have teeth, right, five months old. And so he just has gum line, and he just kind of gnaws on it, right? And all of a sudden, for the first time, he tasted natural sugar. And so all of a sudden, his eyes were like, whoa, you guys. It's almost like, you guys have been holding out on me, you know? It's just amazing. I'm like, dude. You just have to wait, okay? There's like cake and ice cream, and just wait. <laughs> but like I took it out of his mouth, and as soon as I took it out of his mouth, he was like, grabbed my hand and brought it back to his mouth. <laughs> He's like, no, 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 no. I wasn't done with that. <laughs> and so it was super cute. And like our older, um, our older kids, Avon Carter, who are a nine and eight, they just completely just uh, dote on him and love him and want to carry him around. And sometimes it's a little scary uh, Carter, our eight-year-old, he picks up Weston, and sometimes he jostles him around a little too much, and it's a little nervous kind of thing for mom and dad. And so we're always like, you know, trying to remind Carter, like, Carter, he is not a toy, okay? He's a human being, and you can't just like fling him around like you do your younger brother, Walker, who's four years old. And so, like, we're trying to teach Carter to be safe and careful and understanding that, you know, he's working with a five-month-old baby. <laughs> and sometimes he'll pick up Weston and, you know, walk around with him. And Weston almost has that look like, oh, 
are you sure you guys should be letting Carter hold me? Because this feels a little dangerous. <laughs> you ever had a sibling like when you were younger, used to hold you or carry you or do stuff with you, and you always, sometimes you felt unsafe? <laughs> like all this stuff they were doing. <laughs> yeah, like, and so we're like, Lord, please like send your angels, watch over <laughs> Weston when siblings are taking care of him. But it's super fun, and we're, we're blessed beyond belief by God. And um, so, I mean, you guys, I'm so thankful to be here with you this morning. I know y'all's theme has been what this year? What's been your theme? Heroic faith. We're going to look at heroic faith this morning. Before we do, let me pray, and we're going to get into this real quick, okay? God, thank you for these uh, young students here at Chapel Hill Academy. I pray, Father, as a result of our looking at the Word of God, uh, that you would use it to do its work in their lives. Thank you that the Word of God is living and active. So actively, Father, by your Word and Holy Spirit, change us deeply. In your name we pray. Amen. All right, so we want to look at um, four men in the Bible who displayed heroic faith, because it's kind of like, well, all right, we're talking about heroic faith, but like, what does it look like? What does heroic faith look like in action? And so there's these four men in the Bible, and what they do truly, I believe, and as you'll see, was heroic, okay? So this is a story. I'm just going to read a part of it, and you guys follow along with me. It's in Luke chapter 5, verse 18 and following. Like, Jesus has become really popular, right? And a lot of people are following him around. He goes from house to house and he teaches people. And he's at a particular house and like it's crowded. Like there's no room to get in. Like literally the door, there's jam-packed with people because everyone is wanting to hear from Jesus. Well, there's these four men and they have a buddy who's hurt. He literally has a body that's broken and they're gonna try to get their buddy to Jesus and this is what happens. Verse 18, and some men were carrying on a bed a man, a friend who was paralyzed, and they were trying to bring him to Jesus and to get him to Jesus, but not finding any way to bring him in because of the crowd, they went up on the roof and let him down through the tiles with his stretcher into the middle of the crowd in front of Jesus. Seeing their faith, Jesus said, friend, your sins are forgiven you. And the scribes and the Pharisees, they get mad about this because they're like, wait a minute, who can forgive sins but God alone? And realize that Jesus is God, and he does have the power to forgive his sins and to heal people. And he turns to this man and says, get up, pick up your pallet, and walk. And can you imagine right there in the midst of all these people, he picks up his pallet and walks right out. And they're all like, whoa, what just happened? Just awestruck, right, by the miracle that they just experienced. But I want to I let you guys know, like, this is so cool because these four men showed heroic faith. Let me tell you a little bit of insight, though. How many of you guys, like, have a two-story house that you live in? Okay, two-story house. Well, think about this, okay? Those of you who have a two-story house, these men took their buddy, and they had him on, like, some kind of makeshift mattress, right? And these four buddies carry their broken friend to the second story, really, of this house, right, up to the roof, where they would have, usually the houses were built, they had a stairwell on the outside. So they take him up to the top of this roof, but then they're like, well, how do we get him into Jesus? Because there's a roof, now, they're not roofs like you would think the roofs that you have on your house. These roofs were constructed a little bit differently. They'd have like these big branches, all right? Actually, first of all, they had these timbers, like, like thick pieces of wood. And then on top of those timbers, they would have branches. And on top of the branches, they would have like these clay tiles. And on top of the clay tiles, they would take this thick mud and they would press it down and roll it out, creating this hard, rain-proof roof. So essentially four layers, timbers, branches, clay tiles, and mud, 
But how are they going to get how are they going to get their friend to Jesus? Do you know what they did? What happened? What did they do? Okay, that's all right. <laughs> what they do? How they get him into Jesus? Because there's a roof right there. How did how they how they how they get him to Jesus? What happened? What they do? They drilled a hole. You know, they check out their power tools and like, <laughs> and they pull out a jackhammer like. <laughs> did they have power tools back then? No. no. So what do they use? What do you think? What do they use? Maybe a sword, stab it through the roof and like cut it open. How, how do you think they got through there? They didn't have power tools. They didn't have, they didn't have a sword with them. How do you think they got to them? They used their hands. Mark 2, it tells the same story. It says literally they dug an opening. So it's not like they had a power tool with them or had, you know, tools available. They weren't expecting to have to dig through a roof. They just came up with this plan as they saw like there was a problem because they couldn't get to Jesus because of the crowds. So literally on this roof and they're digging through all these layers. How long would it take to dig a hole big enough to fit like a guy laying on a mattress through? How long do you think it would take? Five hours? Who else? Someone else? Well, how long do you think it would take? Ten hours. How long do you think it would take? Yeah, well, four layers. So, like, yeah, I mean, it, I, would, I would agree. I think it, it could probably have taken at least an hour or two. Yeah. And then can you imagine as they dig, they dig this hole big enough to fit their buddy through, and, and they, they somehow made this makeshift, like, pulley lever system with ropes, and they, and they lower this mattress down in front of Jesus. And I think sometimes Scripture's funny by the things that are said and those things that are not said. Because like, here's like, can you imagine the people, first of all, sitting in this house? And they're sitting down and they're listening to Jesus teach the word, right? And all of a sudden, like, stuff's like falling on their head, like pieces of the roof. You know, branches and, and, and pieces of clay tile. And, and it's like, what? And they look up and all of a sudden there's this guy coming down from the ceiling. And, he, and like, notice what Jesus doesn't say. Jesus doesn't look at these guys and be like, Hey, you ever heard of a door? <laughs> no. What does Jesus say? He commends them for their faith. It says, seeing their faith. There's something about what these four men did for their buddy that Jesus noticed. Ephesians 1.15 says this in the word of God. Paul talking about the Ephesian church. Having heard of the faith that exists among you and your love for all people, faith showing up in loving others. Let me ask you guys a question. How do you know if a faith is real? Like if you believe in Jesus, how would people know that? How would they know that you have a faith that is genuine and real? What would they see about your life that would be different? What do you think? That you would pray. Absolutely. Somebody else. How would they know that your faith in Jesus is real? Yeah. That you serve other people. Absolutely. Right there in the white shirt. Yeah. 
Yes. Somebody else, how will they know that your faith is real? If you show love to other people. Let me ask you a question. There's this thing called the fruit of the spirit, right? Galatians 5.22. What is the first fruit of the spirit? For a huge high five and extra bonus points, okay? I don't have bonus points, but I would give them to you if I did. What is the fruit, first fruit of the spirit? Love. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, self-control, right? These are the fruit of the spirit. Yeah, it's awesome. And Jesus said what? Listen to me, shh. Jesus said what? They'll know that you're disciples of mine by your love. No greater love than this, and one would lay down his life for his friends. These guys literally, in a sense, laid down their life for their buddy, and they risked, and it was a little bit like hard, and it was, and maybe even like, you know, creative, and, 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 and they just, they did what they had to do to get their friend in the presence of Jesus. Because Jesus is called the great physician, right? So he can fix and heal broken people. And most assuredly, this guy's got a broken body. But you know what else he has? He's got a broken heart. Because sin is a sickness that breaks all of us. And the only one that can heal our sin-sick hearts is Jesus. So if you can, if you can picture it this way, like they're taking their buddy to the hospital Right? And, and they lower him into the ER room where the great physician is, who's Jesus, because Jesus said, What? It's not the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick. And Jesus says, Your sins are forgiven. He's able to heal this man's body, but even more importantly, he provides a spiritual healing because by his what, shed blood on the cross, he offers forgiveness for your sins making you right, healing your soul to bring you to God. But it's so cool about the faith of these four men. I want you guys to know something about the Bible, okay? And because we see heroic faith in these four men, right? And what they did for their buddy. Literally, whatever it takes to get them to Jesus, even if that means going through walls <laughs> for your friend, right? First thing, know about heroic faith, though, young people, right? little ones, is this, that the Bible is not boring. Have you ever had somebody say, oh, I think, I think the Bible's boring. I think Christianity's boring. There's nothing boring about Christianity because if you're living out the Bible, it's gonna be exciting. It's gonna be fun. It's gonna be awesome because you're gonna experience God coming through. Think about that with Joshua, right? Joshua comes in the promised land with all these desert babies, right? And the first obstacle they come to is literally a wall, Jericho. And what does God tell Joshua? Joshua, here's what I want you to do. March around the city seven times, and on the seventh day, when you march around, I want you to scream at the top of your lungs and then blow the trumpets. And Joshua's like, God, that doesn't really make sense. That doesn't seem like a battle plan. God's like, just trust me at my word. Joshua does it. And when they do that, they scream on the seventh day, blow the trumpets, and the walls do what? They come tumbling down. That's not boring. That's exciting, right? Gideon, another favorite story, right? 
He's going to go up against a Midianite horde, meaning there's like there's 135,000 soldiers. And God takes Gideon and his 300 men, and he's like, all right, I'm going to give you some weapons. Here's a jar, here's a torch, and here's a trumpet. And I want you to take these into battle. And, and Gideon's probably like, well, these aren't weapons of warfare. This is a trumpet, this is a torch, this is a jar. God's just like, trust me at my word. Just do it and see what happens. They do it and God comes through and there's an amazing victory. <laughs> That's not boring. Abraham, he's 70 years old, right? You guys remember Father Abraham? Father Abraham had many sons and many sons had... Just want to know what kind of Christians I'm dealing with. You guys know your stories and your songs. Okay, that's good. <laughs> and so God calls Abraham out of Ur of the Chaldees. He's like, Abraham, and Abraham's 70 years old. He's like your grandfather. Seven years old. He's like, I want you to leave Ur of the Chaldees, and I'm not going to show you the place that you're going. You just kind of have to trust me each step of the way, and I'll bring you to that place eventually. Abraham's like, okay. All right, God, I'm going to trust you at your word. And he steps out and God leads him. That's not boring. That's exciting, right? I think, too, with heroic faith, you've got to have boldness, okay? I'm going to show you guys this ladder real quick as a way of demonstration. I'm going to put it up here because maybe you can see the bottom a little bit better. I use this like a dry erase marker, but can you guys see faith? I think it's kind of hard to see, but I wrote faith. And then on the side, I wrote people, and you're gonna, it's going to make sense to you here in just a second. But with like heroic faith, you've got to be bold with your faith, right? You've got to be bold. You've got to be willing to step out and trust Jesus. Now, what I'm talking about here is not salvation, right? Because salvation happens by what Christ did for us on the cross. By grace, through faith in Christ alone, we're saved. What we're talking about here is following Jesus. What does it look like? And so we take a, faith, we take a step of faith and trusting Jesus at his word. And when we do that, like, all of a sudden we experience the power of God, right? And, and in ways that are like, oh, wow, that's awesome. Like, you know, I, I, I know about sharing my faith, but when I actually did share my faith, I felt God's power released in my life. You see what I'm saying? Like, I know about prayer, but when I actually prayed for someone, I, I, I felt something, right? I felt God by his Holy Spirit moving in my life. And that's a cool thing to be a spirit-filled Christian. And what that look, looks like in a Christian's life is to have boldness. But a lot of times we get scared, right? What's the opposite of faith? Who knows what the opposite of faith is? Opposite of faith, what do you think? Scary, fear. I think a lot of Christians, and I'm convicted about this, a lot of times I get scared. And my like, God, this, this feels a lot safer down at the bottom. And I'd like to just hang out here because this is comfortable. This is safe. This is easy. But God calls us on an adventure like he did Abraham, like he did Gideon, like he did Joshua. And when we step out on faith and we start following him, we experience the power of God and God comes through in ways that we never thought was possible. And he opens doors. We didn't think those doors could be opened. <laughs> and he creates a way for his word to be lived out in our lives as we administer to others. And it's awesome. Wouldn't you agree? So you have to have a bold faith. And lastly, what happens is when you have a bold faith that you're going to experience God have a breakthrough. God's going to have a breakthrough in your life. And he's like, whoa, what? Because when you have a bold faith, right, God's going to break through into your life in ways that you didn't think was possible. 
So how many of you guys like have neighbors in your neighborhood? You got neighbors? Okay. Yeah, so like at Grace Church, I'm the junior high pastor, and we have this group of students, and we call them the neighborhood invite crew. And literally every Wednesday at four o'clock in the afternoon, I take about two or three junior high students with me. We go through the neighborhood and we go up to people's doors and we knock on them. People come and they open the door and it's kind of like, there's two things that we're trying to do. One, we're trying to invite anybody that's in that house to come visit and check out our junior high ministry. And so we invite them like, hey, do you have a sixth, seventh, or eighth grader living in your house? We'd love to invite them to jam. And, and then secondly, we ask people how we can pray for them. And a couple weeks ago, we did this, and it was super cold, because you guys have noticed how cold it's been. And it was really cold. And I was, I was kind of like, in my mind, I'm thinking, I don't really want to go out in the neighborhood, God. It's really cold, and I'd rather just stay in the building. Well, we ended up sending out an email on Monday inviting junior high students to be a part of this. And I had one junior high kid show up on that Wednesday two weeks ago when it was like 12 degrees. And I'm like, oh, man. And with Mike, my mind, I'm kind of hoping that no one was going to show up so I didn't have to do it. And then you got that one crazy junior high kid's like, yeah, let's go, Trav. It's freezing cold, but let's go. And I'm like, okay. And so we go through the neighborhood. We come up to this one house, end up knocking on the door. The guy opens the door and you know, proceeded to tell him, hey, I'm the junior high pastor at Grace Church. My name's Travis. Uh, we're just going through the neighborhood, inviting anybody that might be a junior high student to come check out our junior high ministry. We have this swag bag that we give them that's filled with like, candy and stuff. And so this, this particular house that we went to, the, the, the father that opened the door had a son who's in sixth grade. His name was Rohan. And so it's super cool because the dad, like, because it was really cold, you know what the dad did? He's like, do you guys want to come inside? So he invited us into his home. And when he invited us into his home, we got to have a conversation with him. And I asked him, I was like, the guy was from India, and so he has a Hindu faith. And so I asked him, I was like, tell me about your Hindu faith. And so he proceeded to tell me kind of the things he, do, he does with his Hindu faith. And I was like, can I tell you about the Bible? Can I tell you about the Christian faith? And so I got to share with him the gospel. I share with him, like, here's Jesus. Here's what he did for us on the cross. He died for our sins to provide forgiveness for those sins. And with about five minutes, we just got to share Christ with him. And I thought about that, and I'm like, God had a breakthrough in that day. And it's not because I was awesome. I'm not. It's because Jesus is awesome. You know what's so cool? The one thing that was a deterrent that day, the cold weather, God used as an open door. Literally, the cold weather brought us into this man's house, and we got to share Jesus. When we step out in faith and we trust God as word, because what does God's word say? Love God, and what else? Love others. And I was like, Jesus, your Bible, your word says, love God and love others. We're going to go do this. And when we do it, God shows up, and there's a breakthrough when we least expected it. And he even used cold weather to open up a door for us. Isn't that so awesome? Guys, that's what's so neat about the gospel. And I want to challenge you with your faith, how you can be bold, and what would that would look like. Maybe you can share your faith with a friend who doesn't know Jesus. Maybe you, like in the neighborhood, could serve your neighbor in some way. Maybe you need to forgive a friend that's maybe hurt you because they said something or did something to you that you didn't like, and that would take a bold faith to forgive them. Maybe it would like go and serve the homeless with your family. Um, maybe it would, like, we actually have a covert ops ministry in our jam with our junior high students that serves the homeless. 
and we go downtown and we're safe about what we're doing. We always bring down security. And we do it for 10 years and we go down there and we just serve and share the homeless. And it's amazing. Put our feet, put feet to our faith and God shows up and does breakthroughs and it's amazing. Maybe it means going on a mission trip with your family. Oh, you experience God in a whole new way. It'd be awesome. I want to challenge you guys to do that because I believe as little people that God says, you know what? The kingdom of God belongs to such as these. And God delights to use little ones to advance the gospel because I've seen it. I've seen the power of God in young people's lives to share with others the good news of Christ with a bold faith. And you'll find out it is not boring and you'll discover God breakthrough. Let me close with this. How many of you raise your hand with a temple, right? This has to do with this story. The temple of God where they go to worship. What separated the Holy of Holies from the rest of the temple? Does anybody know? What separated the Holy of Holies from the rest of the temple? Yeah. Say that again. Wealthy people, poor people, okay. But there's literally a structure that separated like the Holy of Holies where like the, the Ark of the Covenant was from the rest of the temple. What was that structure set up? Yeah. Say that again. The holy place. Yeah, but there was something that was erected, literally like a barrier, right? Does anybody know what, what it was? Yes, a curtain, a veil. So this huge curtain was set up. It was four inches thick, four inches thick. They had to take a team of horses to raise this curtain, this veil up and set it up. I mean, it was super thick. It could not have been torn by human hands, but it could be torn by God's hands. And when Jesus died on the cross, it says the veil, that curtain of the temple was torn from top to bottom because it signified that God was breaking through to his people and what used to separate God from his people, because God is holy and we're not, by Jesus' death on the cross, he provided forgiveness, and God was breaking through that barrier, saying, now you can come in and be with me, because God wants a relationship with you. So this is a picture of the gospel, right? In that story, God breaks through to us to bring us to God, to provide healing for our sins through his sacrifice. Let me pray for you guys, okay? You guys have been awesome this morning. Very attentive, very cool. Let me pray for you real quick. God, thank you for these little ones, and I pray, Jesus, that their faith will grow strong in Christ, and they'd be bold and step out in faith and discover that you are gonna help them and strengthen them and empower them to do things they didn't think was possible according to Christ Jesus. And so thank you for each one of them. I pray it's a great rest of the week. In Jesus' name, amen. You guys are awesome. Thank you.